0: Hey everyone, it's Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you yet another amazing episode of the podcast because it's my opinion and my opinion counts right now because I'm doing the intro, so there you go. Uh, This is episode 76 with uh, writer Paul Tobin, who I have seen and talked to a lot of different cons around the Pacific Northwest. Um, He's always been fun chat and I can't believe it took me this long to even get him. Uh, on the show. Uh, I neglected to even tell him I had a podcast, which is weird because I can't shut up about it most of the time, you
1: know,
0: relatively speaking. But, uh, no, Paul is uh, great to talk to. He has a lot of amazing, you know, amazing thoughts and ideas about uh, the industry, about uh, writing as well. Uh, He takes me to task over uh, calling myself a writer, so, uh, you'll hear that and uh, we also decide to plot um, our eventual takeover of the world. So stay tuned to see how that goes about all right So please to enjoy episode 76 with Paul Tobin Your favorite Martian <laughs> All right, here we go. Check it out. My grandmama
1: used to tell me one day I would be king and that it could be me to put these dreams into a sling and fling them like a bullet till they beam the whole ruling regime in the melon. Then I tell them that I'm gonna reign supreme. But
0: it seems I'm a damn salmon swimming upstream. I scream because I know just why the cage bird sings. I'll adone the king's throne, wear his treasure with pleasure because this job is temporary.
1: Success is forever. Working every
0: week at a job I can't oh. Hi, Paul. Oh. Hello? Hey. Can you yeah, hear me? i Okay, good. <laughs> I, I, there, was, there was a point there was like, oh no, you can't hear me. No, <laughs> um,
2: you're, you're coming through
0: fine. Excellent, so are you. Uh, how are you doing? Good. it a, a hectic day, but a good one. Oh, well, hectic better than uh, terrible, I suppose.
2: better when I'm snowed under with stuff mm-hmm. so then I don't waste any time whatsoever. I just get right into working. Whereas right now I have like my schedule like 90% full so it feels like I should screw around like 50% of the time.
0: Oh it's like the dreaded like oh my god I have some downtime and then it's like oh god now what do I do with it? Yeah yeah. No I used to be like that when I was in college. Um, I, if I didn't have a book I needed to be reading you know, for a paper I had to write, it was something else. And then when suddenly that was taken away, like I graduated, I was just like, I should be doing something. <laughs> like, yeah. something should be happening yeah. right now. If I have a little bit of spare time, I tend to screw around a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I am thinking about adding a couple of projects. Well, hey, it's like the more the merrier, I suppose. I mean, if if, if it works for you, then that's like the best, It's the best way to do what is basically your job, so. Right, right. I mean, it, when my schedule is over full, I kind of get a little insane, mm-hmm.
2: which I used to be really kind of bothered by, but I've found out that I'm pretty much insane anyway, so I might as well be insane with a lot of work.
0: Just embrace versus it. insane. Embrace the yeah. insanity Paul. <laughs> the fact that I will
2: never be normal
0: and I will always be a little weird, so... It's why we love you. It's why we love you. <laughs> <I hope so>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good. Um, I hope you're you're cool with just kind of keeping it to, like, a tight hour, um, because we're getting sure. very close to when my bedtime is before I have to go to work, so... Oh, really? You go to bed this early? Wait, you're in... I'm in we're Seattle. In yeah,
2: Seattle.
0: Yeah, no, but I, I get up really early to go to work, so... What's,
2: what's really
0: early? Uh, for me, it is about 5 o'clock, so... Oh jeez! Yeah. I'm so No, it's fine. That's
2: not a time that exists for me. That's
0: like <laughs> I I used to think that too. Like, uh, because again, in school, like you you start getting used to a certain type of schedule, <laughs> and then when right. you you're in the adult world, you know, you know, quote unquote adult world, then you're suddenly like, there's a four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. What? That's not real. Yeah.
2: Four o'clock in the morning was normal for me in college because I worked um I worked my way through college so I was mm. custodian. So the end of end of all my days, I uh, I had a, like an eight hour work day that lasted until about three in the morning.
0: Oh good Lord.
2: And then just, Yeah, then I would go home and you know, not get to bed until five and then get up at like nine
0: and do it again. Well yeah, especially when when you're young you can do that. Like when you know, you can survive off of four hours of sleep and be like no no i'm good i got this (laughs) you know i didn't i didn't have it though it took like it took
2: like a year and a half of that and i thought i was doing pretty well because i was doing um i was doing like 16 hours of classes working a full-time job Mm. and teaching martial arts oh good god everything was like everything was going along i thought pretty well i wasn't Mm -hmm. really having any trouble but then, just one day out of the blue, I woke up and I was done. It was—it was like no, no, like oh, this is starting to get hard on me, you know. Blah blah blah. It's like no, I'm doing, really I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I'm doing <laughs> really
0: well. I am done. It's like nope. That's yeah. it. It's My over. Just said, yeah. Quit. <laughs> you just—you just end up becoming uh, what's his, Bill Paxton and, and aliens like? Game over, man. <laughs> Game yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I woke up as Bill Paxton. A common thing in college. No, I mean, it is surprising, like, what you can handle until the day that you can't handle it. Right, it's just,
2: like, and I really, I, I really didn't have any prior warning. I thought I was doing pretty good, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, fine, I just woke up, and I'm like, nope, today, at least two parts of need to end, and maybe all three, maybe I'm just going to stay in for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's
0: like, I don't need to get out of this bed, this is fine, I'm just going gonna... to... No,
2: why? Why get out of bed? Yeah. I'm end going to end into bed sometime anyway, just it's... cut out the middle, stay here.
0: Oh, it's so easy to just, like, fall back asleep. Like, there, there are some mornings where I get up and I'm just like, do I really need to go in today? Like, if I just stayed here.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I personally, like, my mornings,
0: um, I work on a novel first thing in the morning.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't do anything else in the morning. I need to, like, literally wake up, walk the, like, 10, 15 feet to where I, my studio where I write mm-hmm. and sit down and start working.
0: Do you do like free association or do you already have kind of a plan in mind when you start writing?
2: I don't really have a plan in mind, but that's one of the things that gets me out of bed is um, when I work on novels, I I don't do very structured work at all. Mm -hmm. So I literally don't know what's happening next. So it kind of gets me out of bed. I'm like, oh, I wonder what will be next. Like the curiosity level is like, "Hmm, let's go find out. What happens? That's cool. And I'm at my most creative, like, right in the morning, too. So, yeah, I can't check phone. I can't do anything.
0: I need mm-hmm. to sit and work immediately. It's like, I must get these <laughs> thoughts and ideas out of my head. Put exactly. Them yes. No, it's uh, it's one of those things, like, because I'm in a, uh, 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 i am in I guess I could say an aspiring writer, but I have written stuff, so whatever. Um, but it's... Can I give you advice? Huh? Can I give you advice? For sure. Dump the word aspiring. Gotcha. <laughs> i hate that word because because it, it sounds like uh
2: the way i and a lot of people read that word is that is not very serious about it or mm. don't care that much so when you say i'm an aspiring writer it just sounds like uh oh you know I, I write like a couple of sentences you know after i watch all my tv shows once every three months and so if, if you're writing you're a
0: writer just, all right. just, say, just say you're a writer. I'm a it's writer. It. I am a writer. Um, the, the, one of the things I do... People,
2: when, people, when you say you're a writer, most people don't believe you make your living at it anyway. I I, <laughs> I, I felt really bad. Like, um, I was up for an Oregon um, book literary award last year. Didn't win, but whatever.
0: So, <laughs> not better. Yeah. No, not at all. No. <laughs> I'm just going to burn the entire city down. that's fine, whatever
2: like twenty five percent of the city that's oh okay, fine
0: yeah but um, but it was a room full of you know other other candidates for you know various awards so it was a it was a room full
2: of Oregon's literary elite mm-hmm. and um one of the keynote speakers was talking about um writing, and they said, you know it can be very exhausting at times because you know we all have to come home after work Mm -hmm. and sit down and write and and everybody was like applauding that and i'm looking around going oh no actually i make my living writing is that okay (laughs) (laughs)
0: like am i not struggling enough
2: i exactly it's like uh, i guess i could go work at mcdonald's and then try (laughs) no i couldn't
0: I, I, I would not just, encourage that. <laughs> yeah, just say
2: anyway. Bottom line, just say you're a writer.
0: Yes, and, I no, I, I take it. I take that advice freely. Like it's it's it is one of those things where I used to say aspiring writer, and then it's 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 a weird kind of like like you're hedging it. You don't quite know where the where the line is between like is it you? Know, where's the professional? It's like is it more of a hobby? But it's just it's the thing that I do to you know relax myself or to. Uh, exercise whatever creativity is left over from the 8-hour day at work. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> tough. What but, do you do for a living? Um I'm a uh archivist for an architectural firm. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> and and I love what I do. I, I really it's cuz I I I have a history background, so it's 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 related to it and everything, but I've always had this desire to write all the time. Like I was always really good at it and you know, being involved more in this, in the, uh, the comic book industry in terms of writing reviews and like op-ed pieces and all that has, has put me in that position where I'm just like, I want to do this, but I also want to do this. Like I have a one career and then a hobby slash dream career basically.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. And it's like, That's, I was that way for a long time. I ran a comic store for like, I don't know how long, 14 years or oh, something. Wow. Yeah. And then I worked at the, um,
2: the downtown Powell's here in Portland for, like, three years, I
0: think. Uh, just just to uh, put this out there, uh, Powell's is basically my mecca, so... <laughs> I don't like it as much as I used to, so... Oh, man, I could put up a pup tent in the, uh, uh, the <laughs> history section and just live there and, like, walk out and be like, everyone get out, I've claimed this area. <laughs> I really, one of the things I really miss about working there was that
2: all employees got to basically handle it as a as if it were a library oh um, my god
1: <laughs>
2: that, um, like all when i worked there any new book any um, new book i could check out for a
0: month oh wow and any used book
2: i could check out for six months
0: so that's just like that's like every dream i ever had when i was a teenager of like working in a bookstore <laughs>
2: So, like, after, like, after I quit there, I would, like, go to a bookstore and go, oh, I want this, I want this, I want, oh, wait a second, they're going to make me
1: pay! Damn it!
2: <laughs> but, which is, you know, fair, but mm-hmm. but I'm nowhere near as experimental with books anymore. Especially, like, like, some of the books I used to like to get were art books, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, some
0: of those, like, oh I'd like to read this bio you know, heavily illustrated biography of Van Gogh. Oh, this is eighty dollars. I know. Oh my god, like the textbook type of, of, of yeah. things. Ugh. So, they're the most it's, it's, interesting. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so I can't I can't really do that anymore. So like my 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 reading has narrowed since leaving there.
0: Oh, that's Just, that's unfortunate. That that makes yeah, me sad. <laughs>
2: I used to I used to um on
0: the science section there so Ooh. that was really great and then the, back in those days the science section was in the kids room so I, I needed to be fully aware of all the kids stuff too so mm-hmm. I was
2: felt fully versed, versed in kids and science at the same time and I mean it helped me like Genius Factor my my biggest I mean not to put it in horrible terms but my biggest paycheck right now is my Genius Factor um, novel series
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that is a direct thing of of uh, a kid who loves science. So it's like that was um, working at Powell's in the science kids section. So there we go. Uh, so it was really um, it was really um, inspiring to work there. Ideas were just like flowing at all times.
1: Well, and
0: especially like through the eyes of, of of children, like things that we take for granted about science, or things that were just like. Okay, they found something new. You know, if you're if you're not really steeped in that in that world in that discipline, it 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 can be either too overwhelming or you're just kind of like, well, well, okay, whatever. But kids are just like they just take it in and they're just like, oh my god, that is amazing. And they're so yeah. enthusiastic and <laughs> yeah, that was.
2: I mean, that's part of the reason I like to do. I mean, I never want to be just purely a children's writer, but I mean, I have a lot of works that are geared towards younger readers and. It's that pure joy that I find so amazing. Like, I'll remember the... I've been to, um, you know, I'll go to a comic convention, and I've done some panels at comic conventions that are, are like, three, four, five thousand 5,000 people at mm-hmm. the panel. And, and it's like, okay, anybody have any questions? Nobody. Nobody has a question. There's 3,000 people here, and it's 3,000 people who paid to come to this convention and decided to come to this panel because mm-hmm. they're interested in this topic but nobody has a question versus when i was on tour for my first um, for the first genius factor um the audiences were usually like maybe three or four hundred kids mm-hmm. would, like shut down an elementary school and i would talk to them for an hour or so oh, cute, and cute. i'd say any questions and Every single kid there would have multiple questions. And and it was just like this excitement level that that I found really engaging. I really enjoyed it.
0: Well, and there has to be like some kind, because they don't necessarily have the filter yet. That you know, like as adults, we kind of go, oh, I have this question, but it sounds dumb. And people probably (sighs) look at me and kids are like, I don't care. I want to ask you, like, do you like spiders or, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Or, when's the last time you ate popcorn, Mr. Tobin? Which was one of the questions I got.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you, and, and the thing is, I can imagine, Paul, that you just give it as much seriousness as if someone's asking you about, like, you know, economic policy or something like that. Where you're just like, well, and you've got, like, your your hands tented up against, you know, your your face. And you're like, hmm, interesting question. <laughs> like, uh-huh.
2: Yeah. Oh well, yeah, because, uh, like, literally the, the question that followed up how long has it been since you ate popcorn was one of the most um put me on the spot really need to answer those questions of all time. So like, you know, give it a lot of thought and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it was like yeah, every time I would say, Okay, you it was like a roll of the dice of like, is this gonna is this gonna be, you know, a bizarre question or one of the most (laughs) astute questions I'm ever gonna face.
0: You find like the next Einstein amongst all these kids. (laughs) It's like I have a fifteen-part question. You might need to sit down for this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, okay. Um, that was actually what I was going to ask you about um, because I read um, I read the the first volume of Bandette, um, uh, which uh, to me, because uh, you and, and Colleen Coover are, it's it's such a perfect all ages book, um, be- and it's just it's so vibrant, it's so colorful, it's so joyful. Uh, and it's, and it seems like one of those things where it's like, this is not the norm anymore. And it really is kind of depressing when you think about that part, you know, that's part of the reason I made bad Dead is because
2: there was so much, you know, grim and, and not have fun things like, like I can't, there's so many, it's mostly in the superhero
0: field, but not entirely.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other books
0: where, where, you know,
2: there's like four or five, 600 installments, of of a story, you know, based around some hero or something like that, and you know, it harkens back to um, what we were talking about earlier. Is like this person, this hero, this man or this woman. Every morning they wake up. Why? <laughs> why would they? Why would they enter this world again and again and again? It's like, oh, this, you know, this time, you know the person I love the most will get, you know, killed, and, and, you know, death and destruction everywhere, and there's no joy in my life, and, and it's like, why, why isn't there any joy? I I really, I detest that. I was talking with um, um, Mike Richardson um, on Monday, yeah, Monday, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how to pace stories, and, and how if you set everything at like a low emotional level or a high emotional level or a low action level or a high action level, no matter what you do, it becomes horribly boring Mm -hmm. because if you just, it's so many writers, um, you see it especially in like action movies, they go, well, if it's just pure action, if it's just unrelenting action,
1: then that's really high drama and it's like no it's it's not yeah because what you've done is
2: create a level it's just your plot line while high in action is still just level it has no ups and downs it has no it has no arc it has no moments where you can take your breath and if if everything is a high point it's no different than everything is a low point and that's what bugs me about um of unrelenting grim things is after Mm -hmm. a while it doesn't, it's not
1: grim. It's just, it's just the way it is. And so there's no emotional impact whatsoever. Yeah. So when I, yeah. So when I was doing bandette
2: and when I, when I do bandette, what I do is bandette herself is pretty unrelentingly charming. She's,
0: she really is,
2: (laughs) but she's in a world that's not unrelentingly charming. The villains in them, I, I made sure that, like Absent and Thirteen, and the voice, and then the villain that's going to be in the fourth volume—they're actually really bad people. Mm-hmm. They're terrible people who kill and do, <laughs> do things. So, so while Bandette can be unrelentingly charming, there's there's different emotions that play in the book, and I think that's very important when I, uh, to me as a writer and also as a reader because if there's not a change, if there's not emotional changes or action changes, then to me the book just becomes this monotonous dribble.
0: Yeah, if there isn't, you know, uh, like you said, if there isn't kind of that arc, then you don't really have the emotional ups and downs that you would need to, to be invested in a book. Um, it and, and I feel the same way about action movies lately, especially with the superhero movies. Um, one particular company that, you know, managed to get two heroes wrong in the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was
2: actually another major talk I just had the other day with a certain fellow. Yeah, that that movie. I, w- I won't name any. Companies, but there's a certain company whose movies I just don't watch. Mm.
0: No, I, and and I can understand it. it. Was actually my my uncle had stopped by uh, my house today, and and we were just kind of chatting about it. And I was, I I, 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 it's weird how I don't think about it too much. But then when someone like starts talking t- talking to me about superhero movies, I get so passionately involved in what is good about them and what's bad about them. <laughs> Ugh, it's, and and so i I proceeded to tell him you know all the problems like and and it really fell down, you know fell into the story because it's so grim, it's so dark, it's so b that right. you know there's there's barely any levity in it there's like maybe two jokes in the movie tops mm-hmm. and that's saying something <laughs> right. so, so you don't you don't have any emotional grounding if if
2: you if you don't have some moments that are light, if you don't have some moments that are hopeful then then grim isn't grim it's just the reality of this you know the thing is, it has no basis, you
0: don't care about them mm-hmm and and it's like in the in the human existence to get very existential on this one is like we don't live in a continuously grim dark world. We 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 have our ups and downs. We have moments of levity amongst moments of drama. Like that's what I, I always thought made a better drama, a dramatic show, is when there were there were the humor moments. I mean, like I could watch a Joss Whedon show. And know I was gonna get like some really like hit you in the heart, just make you question everything kind of moments. But but they would be you know punctuated by these like really solid jokes or you know uh, some kind of you know a, a pratfall or so- something like that to kind of lighten it up. Because Whedon and his ilk understood that you can't constantly be like, oh no, Buffy's having a terrible time with this and the vampires and blah blah blah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Buffy was
2: actually really good at that. I mean, some some entire episodes were just like fun happiness. And and that's, that's vital. It allows you to take your breath and it it allows you to, as you say, see the characters as more human and to care about them more Yeah. so that when things do get grim, you, you care. It's like, like even just from the trailer, I'm just going to say it, the Batman Superman movie. Oh God,
0: no, they're going to find me. (laughs)
2: Um, trailers of that, I could tell that there really wasn't any reason to care about these characters. And and I I really dislike characters that can be summed up in one word. It's like, well what's what's his, you know, what's his personality? Grim. Hmm. Well, no, that's not a personality. That's that's a single character trait, you know. I mm-hmm. I wanna know like I wanna know what this, you know, if this person's walking down the street. I wanna know what music they want to be listening to. And I want to know what, you know, food they want to have for lunch. And I, I want to know, you know, that that humorous thing that happened five years ago that they stop and chuckle about still every once in a while. And, yeah. and maybe those things don't make it into the story, but they make it into the humanity of the character. Whether the character is, you know, actual human or not doesn't, you know,
0: basically
2: have humanity.
0: <laughs> Superman's as human as they come, man. Yeah, I
2: know. Well, he is. That's one of the things that makes him a great
0: character, right? And and that's that's the thing too. Like, so Man of Steel. I prior to that, I had not been like the biggest Superman person. Like, I understood the character, but he wasn't the you know one I sought out to read or anything like that. Um, and by the end of watching Man of Steel and and the, you know subsequent conversations that came out of it. It was just like, it made me start defending the character of Superman in the comics a lot more, uh, because I knew that he was better than what they had given me on screen, right? you know, and even the Christopher Reeves movies, like as corny as they are, it was the seventies, you know, they, they still had this lightness to them. And Christopher Reeve just like was amazing. Like him being able to go from Clark to Superman in an instant, you know that that was amazing. You know that that's an amazing way of acting of personifying the two sides of this character. Um, whereas, like Man of Steel, doesn't like by the end of that movie, I still don't know who Clark is. I still don't know who Superman is. I right. I, I know he's okay with murdering a guy. Um, <laughs> which I'm not okay. With. I know I'm not okay with it either. <laughs> like. I, and and again, when I was talking to my uncle about this, I said, you know, if the story had at the very least been trying to lead up to that, if this was going to become a, a thing he had to make a choice over that was reflected in the rest of the movie, I would have at least been a little bit more on board with it because they told a story, right. you know, um, because that's what I... With superhero movies especially, it's so easy, and they often do this. They fall into the bang, bang, punch, punch, uh... Grimdark, punch, 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 punch. Um, it's, it's... Yeah, you just wrote a movie right there. Oh my god, awesome! I'm gonna sell this, like, shit. Here we go. Actually, what I really want to do is just rewrite Man of Steel for my own needs. Yeah, a lot of people want, want the closure of that. It's like... It's... I mean, I think it's because it wastes so much potential. Like, there are some good ideas in there that just get squandered.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. So, yeah, I, I really don't watch DC movies because the, the characters
0: so clearly don't have hope. Mm-hmm. And, and that's Hope is an important thing. I, I don't
2: think you can be... I don't believe a hero who doesn't have hope. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing it then? doesn't
0: make any difference to me. No, oh, exactly. I mean, it's what makes the Marvel movies stand out in the way that they do. Like, there's this um, through line of positivity and hopefulness and you know, uh, especially at the end of Civil War, you know, Cap still believes in Tony and Tony for his own, you know, he, Tony still pretty much believes in Cap. There's been this kind of like downward spiral in their relationship but by the end you don't feel cheated, you know? I don't know if you watch the Marvel movies either, so... I, I watched some of them, I watched more I watched
2: I watched the Civil War Civil War movie, um, flying back from Poland.
1: So, oh, wow. <laughs> so I was, I was a little brain dead. But I, I enjoyed parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I, I never saw the Ant-Man movie, so I was curious. I was kind of interested to see how Ant-Man... You know, was, and I thought, I thought he was a good character, and oh, I, I cool. liked that big scene of him giant and smashing up an airport, that was cool.
0: Paul Rudd, like, makes that, I mean, that, that's, that one battle is, is amazing to begin with in the airport, but Paul Rudd, when he goes giant man, and his eyes are all big, and he's like, yes, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah, and I love that, you know, that sense of fun, I want that. Mm-hmm.
2: I'll never forget, I mean, what I want, basically, is, is, um, like, remember when the, when the first, um, Spider-Man, the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Colleen and I went to it, and um, we ended up sitting uh, right in front of a kid, who I never saw because I never wanted to see him, but he was a young kid, and every every time Spider-Man came on screen, he would go, Spider-Man! <laughs> and it was great! Because oh. there was this sense of joy coming from him, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I, I want that. I want my heroes to, to inspire that sense of joy not whereas you know if I lived in the DC world every time I would see a hero I would I would start to cry and run (laughs) because I know that either half the town around them is going to get slaughtered or they might slaughter me you know and it's like there's no sense of hope there's no sense of grandeur there's no sense of of larger than life it's Mm -hmm. just it's it's, to me it's no different than you know watching two volcanoes fight you know (laughs) don't have any personality, and they're going to destroy the town, so...
0: Well, you let Disney get a hold of them, and those volcanoes are going to start having personalities, and they'll sing a couple of songs, and then they'll duke it out, and then they'll be best friends. Oh, um,
2: now I want, now I want a musical superhero movie. You know? <laughs> oh my god. If that, if that whole fight in the airport hadn't been a musical number,
0: it's... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got their own particular, like, style of music that they're, like, singing and dancing to. Oh, man. Oh, that would be amazing. Actually, if you wanna if you wanna go down a fun little rabbit hole online, um uh, when in those moments of distraction, I suppose. Uh, there is a team called, I think it's Starkid, and they did like a Harry Potter musical and they did one called Holy Musical Batman. That yeah. sounds interesting. It is basically like they they kind of take the um it's it's like the Nolan version, but kind of with a uh, '60s Batman vibe to it, <laughs> and it's actually it works really well. <laughs> and I love it because they're, they're uh, they have the underoos on, but it's actual underwear that they're wearing. That's been and like Superman's in there, and he's kind of like this really like stunted like dickish character, but still humorous at the same time. <laughs> There are so many people who think of Superman as a dick, and
2: I love that
0: guy. I know. I I I have so much more of an appreciation for the Clark is just a genuinely good man, right? You know. Yeah, um, that's what I want to. I mean, when you were talking about Christopher Reeve,
2: um, that's one thing I liked about the way he played Superman is is when he was Clark Kent, mm-hmm. he believed in humanity and he wanted things good, and when he was Superman, he believed in humanity and wanted things to be good, and that's. You know that—that that to me is the essence of him. He—he he came to Earth and he believes in us, and mm-hmm. he will fight, and he would even die for us. And that—that's huge. This whole—I I really hate the whole Superman as an overlord thing. That's not his character. It's—it's that's, mm-hmm. that's the antithesis of his character.
0: I think it's what makes like when they do those um, Elseworld books. You know, I, I what I appreciate about um, you know alternate timelines. You know, when you do that, is that yeah, you can explore the character in a different light. Like Red Sun is an interesting book to me just because it's like okay, well let's take the Man of Steel and put him in Soviet Russia. You know, how does how does that alter you know uh, the story? How does that alter him? You know, what what are the inherent traits of 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 Kal You know. Um, and then you also get to see, you know, Batman in Soviet garb and and whatnot, so. (laughs) Um, but no, it's, uh, there's a, one of my favorite stories is, um, I think it's Darwin Cook and Tim Sale, and they did, it was called Kryptonite, and it's, uh, like, part of the story is from the perspective of the Kryptonite, and it's really interesting, but it also kind of it's also talking about superman and he's experiencing fear and you know he gets caught in this volcano and then he has like this moment of like oh my god could i die you know and it's just him exploring that but he's still he's still being him he's still like going to his parents and being like look i'm having some problems can you help me <laughs> i haven't seen that one I, I i'll head it down
2: i've been on a darwin took kick for like a
0: decade now, wow. I guess. He, he was my intro to comics, basically. He, yeah, uh, how so? Uh, New Frontier. So wow. I, didn't, I didn't actually start reading comics until I was in college. Wow. And uh, yeah, they uh, DC was doing those um, animated you know adaptations and everything. Mm. And they did New Frontier, and I watched it, and I really loved it. And then I decided I was going to go pick up the comic book. And I haven't looked back since. Not really. <laughs>
2: so that's, that's a good way. That's a good entry point. And oh, good.
0: It was so good, like, and especially because it appealed to the historian in me, because, you know... Oh, yeah! Yeah. It, it was just, like, reading that and like, oh my god, are all comic books like this? I want this all that time.
2: Well, New Frontier, too, was, was, was something where where the characters were the paramount part of it. And mm-hmm. they, he dealt with the characters as human beings,
0: rather than, again, like, singular character traits. Exactly. Which, which was, you know...
2: I consider myself a character writer, so that's that's hugely important to me. You can't mm-hmm. have a character that, that you can sum up in one word or or, or you know one sentence that they they need to be they need to have a consistency, but they need to they need to be believable. And they're not believable if you can just say, "Well, that person's grim." Mm-hmm.
0: No, and, and I see that like in Bandette. I saw it in uh, in Mystery Girl, which was amazing, by the way. I really loved it. <laughs> Uh also in uh, I was the cat, uh, there are like these really strong characters that drive the story but are very distinct in like how they approach the world, you know, their sense of humor, their uh sense of duty or longing, all that kind of stuff. Like it's all there on the page, so this is my, my gushing over your ability as a writer, so <laughs> well,
2: that makes me feel good because that's exactly that's exactly what I what I want. I always think of characters before before stories because if I it to me I, I think of a character first someone that I am interested in as, as a creation and then and then I start to wonder how they would deal with certain situations that's mm-hmm. what's fascinating to me is to drop characters into stories and see how they interact with, with the plot
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and because uh, I, I so how, how did I was the cat come about then? Um, I'm curious about that oh that
2: one was, um, boy, you're, you're, you're talking to a guy whose memory is just terrible. <laughs> which I often think is really beneficial for me, mm-hmm. um, because I, I'll forget massive things about stories that I'm working on, mm-hmm. um, which means that in a way, almost every day, I approach a story as, as if it's new. So if the story isn't there, or if it's not being explained, I'm lost. So I have to I have to keep the story consistent. I have to know that what's there. Um, and I can surprise myself. Like, if I put a project aside for a month and read it again, I'm almost reading it entirely new, because I will have
0: forgotten it. That, that's so, that's, cra- that's crazy insane, but I love it. He, I mean, it's like, you're almost, you're your own editor, your own like creative director at the same time, where you're just I, like, look, Paul, yeah. if I could be honest with you, Paul. <laughs>
2: Cause it's a moment for me because um i can remember um i can remember um way 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 back um going to um a comic convention as as a beginning professional this would have been like early 90s i forget Mm -hmm. um but um jim shooter was was a guy that was giving a talk he was at a panel and and i i went to the panel and jim was talking about um back when he was editing at marvel and frank miller was working there and frank miller was working on daredevil
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and miller was in the offices and jim was in his office and he, he suddenly heard frank yelling like an epiphany type yell and he came running into jim's office and said oh i get it i get it now i get what we're doing we're telling stories <laughs> and, and it seems like the simplest thing possible Really does, and, and the audience all laughed at like you know, silly Frank Miller. Of course, you're telling stories. <laughs>
0: oh my god, I I want that to be a thing on the internet, silly Frank Miller. <laughs> silly Frank Miller.
2: Um, but to me, it was like a huge moment for me because it was it was an epiphany for me because um, telling is the important thing, and mm-hmm. that's where almost all writers that I read fail is because they they get a story in their minds, and once that story is in their minds. They, they falsely believe that their reader already knows that story because mm-hmm. since if you know it, why doesn't the other person? So writers will put down they'll, they, they'll have like their story you know parts one, two, three, four, five in their heads and then they'll write the story and they'll tell parts one, four, and five leaving out parts two and three because they're so obvious. Mm-hmm. They're not obvious to the reader. They're only obvious to the writer because the writer has them in his or her head. Mm-hmm. But if you don't tell the story, it's not just having a story. Anybody can ha- have a story. Having a story is easy. Telling a story is the important part. And that's where Frank had his, has a, had his epiphany. And that's been something that really resonated me resonates with me to this day of you have to not only have the story you have to tell the story mm-hmm. so me constantly forgetting my stories is actually to my benefit because when i'm reading if something is missing it's not there in my head anymore so so i'll be like well wait why did this character do this why would they possibly do this is this a really <laughs> dumb thing to do whereas if i remembered the story i would be going well they do this because later they need to do this but that's a really poor way of looking at a story because if the reader is lost on you know, you can't you can't say obviously they're doing this because of this one thing that I hadn't
0: told you about. Oh no. See, here's where you just provide audio commentary for your books. Uh huh. So, <laughs> some people like are like, why would they do that? Oh, if you have questions about this, uh, skip to track three, okay? <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. Um, yet. I forget. Yeah. Forget how I got up on this. I know we were talking. Oh, uh, um, we were talking about, I was the cat. Um,
2: Oh, I was just saying I have a bad memory for like the story. I know that,
1: um, I can't remember specific, but, um, I think I was doing a, uh,
2: the book that was, um, Oh, I'm so bad. Anyway, um, (laughs) I got commissioned to do a story and I wanted to do a story about a cat, an old uh, mythological story about a cat. Um, and uh the story got mixed, but I wanted to write a story about a cat mm mm-hmm. because um, I got in my head, you know I was like full steam in my head, I'm gonna tell a story about a cat um, <laughs> and then I started thinking about um what would a cat do and and to me, cats are I love cats, I really do mm, mm-hmm. but I also think that they're really um little demons they're,
0: they're, they they want the world in a certain way, mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes that means taking over the world because the only way you can get the world to be, you know, the way you want is to take over the world. Well, of course. And of course
2: they're going to do it in very, um, devious ways because they're devious little soul-stealing creatures. (laughs) So.
0: I mean, mean, everyone knows this, right?
2: (laughs) That's just a standard fact. (laughs) Uh, and then I, I also have a real love of history, so I wanted to make it a, a historical piece, and then I started to think of, well, how can I make a historical piece, because I don't really like um, just stories set in the past, because mm-hmm. they don't resonate with, with readers as much, um, so I wanted to make it a modern story that had past elements, and then I thought, oh wait, cats have nine lives, so I can I can move it throughout history, so I can get my you know fix as a historian, but I can also make it have value in the modern day. Yes, so it, the, you know,
0: the nine lives thing also a fact. We we, we yes, agree upon the yes. nine lives and the demon thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I don't want anyone to think otherwise about right. cats. And it had to be a cat, too, because I had so many people ask me, it's like, well, are you going to do a follow-up like um,
2: I was the dog? And it's like, dog taking over the world is just boring as hell because every dog's plan for taking over the world is... Let's just all be friends. I'll <laughs> make friends with
0: everybody because they're all my pals. You know, which doesn't really make a good book. That's that's not good for di- diplomacy if it's not shrewd enough. I mean, yeah. you can negotiate with a cat at the very least. Why? Right. You know, he's we'll probably go still going to kill you, but you yeah. can negotiate. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah I, love, I, I really love that
0: book. No, it's that, it's and some... that
2: Ben Dewey was perfect for it as an as an artist
0: because he loves cats so much mm-hmm. and. You know, and um, he
2: also loves those historical elements, um, so we worked really well
0: together. No, I love his art. I have his um, his book of the the unfortunate circumstances, basically, uh-huh. which uh, is a, an endless uh, fountain of wonderful humor for me. So. <laughs> he has a great
2: wit. He was doing that um, that book at the same time that we were working on. Um, I was the cat, and and I felt bad in some ways. I would read his. You know, his daily things and go, man, this guy's a better writer than I am.
0: <laughs> I feel bad, you know, using him
2: up or whatever. Like,
0: I I him up. Ben, if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, you're a genius. I love you, man. There we go. <laughs> no, it's, uh, the, that's one of the things that I did, uh, I really loved about I Was a Cat as well is that, um, again, the history background, I also, uh, Probably since the day I was born, I've had cats in my life, so I I know what devious little shits they can be. <laughs> they really are. They really are. And the the ones I'm currently, you know, uh, taking a residence with are uh, my my morning companions who seem to want to try to trip me at every every moment. <laughs> so that, that is
2: something that fascinates me about cats is if if I happened to live with a person like scale wise, I'd be living with a giant that was like. 50, 60 feet tall, -hmm. and one thing I would specifically do is not hang out near their feet. They could crush me. (laughs) Why do cats, like, continuously get under my feet? I don't understand that. Especially on the stairway. Get out of my feet.
0: (laughs) They're just like, nope, I'm going to stand right here or (laughs) jump up on you as you're walking down. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. What are your cats' names? Uh, My cats are uh, Charlie and Nigel. Charlie and Nigel. I
2: like
0: My sister named them. She actually ended up, she, she bought them and then she it's dropped them off here. <laughs> oh yeah. She went, I
2: want to keep my soul, but you know, I'll give them to you.
0: And... It's okay. Church has basically told me that I don't have one, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> How handy. I know, right? It's like, once you accept that fact, everything yeah. else just seems, yeah. you know, yeah. it's really sure. petty in, con- in comparison. It's the freedom,
2: the road is open. Oh my God.
0: So much freedom. <laughs> And just walk around going, All of you soulful bastards <laughs> When I take over the world, which I will someday yes. uh, My a couple of my uh, best friends and I we we actively engage in talk of how we would take over the world. Um usually <laughs> it's- it, it's it, it's endless amounts of fun for us just because it's like okay who's building the weather machine and why haven't they done it yet uh, uh, yes. like I'm usually in charge of finding the lair so um, I've been looking at moon real estate as well as volcano ice fortress you know that kind of stuff yeah
2: that's that's a talk that I have a lot with my friends yes
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> we, we skip right past that whole take over the world thing and just assume that we're going to yeah 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 but it's like designing your base <laughs>
0: That, that, that's the thing that I love about, like, um, Silver Age comics, is oh. is just how, I mean, uh, for good reason, you know, for, for whatever purposes that they had to go completely out there and insane, the fact that they did and are still, like, endlessly endearing in that way oh. just makes me so happy, because you're like, yes, of course someone would laugh that maniacally all the time, and... I would! <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like... Um, you just stand there and just like gloat over your uh, exploits and how you bested the villain, right as you um, tell them everything. <laughs> I mean, just having a volcano base. Oh my god, it would be that'd so cool. Be a, that
2: would be a solid month of me just like walking around. Big fat smile going, i have not my volcano base. It's like, what are we going to do, boss? We're not going to do anything. I've got a volcano base. I have
0: succeeded. It's over. It's like, I've achieved the amount I needed to achieve here, guys. I mean, volcano base. <laughs> like, I don't understand why you guys aren't really happy about this. I mean, you are also here. <laughs> you just sit around, like, guys, let's just take a moment to appreciate the finer things in life.
2: Put some new art on the wall. It's
0: so beautiful. Put some new art on the wall. Watch it melt. You know, (laughs) get some ice sculpture. It never makes it in the door.
2: (laughs) I would actually probably tone down the heat. So okay, probably I don't like heat. So maybe maybe a volcano base is the best for me. I
0: I think you could like it for a little. You you could spend some time there, but maybe you rent it out to other villains. You know, on the side. (laughs) Um. I mean, you could go and spend some time in the Arctic base. I mean, you could have several bases and then just, like, spend your time alternately, you know, going from one to one.
2: Ah, I know one thing I want, because um, I, I look at a lot of like I don't know if you know, but, like, Sotheby's, the auction house. Yeah,
0: yeah, they, I know that, yeah.
2: They have their own um, real estate
0: firm. Oh, God. And if you look at their real estate, it's just so beautiful. And um,
2: the two, the two that I can remember of, like, I really want that, was there was a was a castle on Lake Hallstatt in um, oh I forget what um, country because I'm bad. At, but what I really liked about that one was um, it came with grazing rights. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't you didn't own the nearby lands, mm-hmm. but from tradition, whoever owned the castle was in charge of those lands. So the villagers. <laughs> that, like, if you own that castle, the villagers would have to come to you and petition for grazing rights. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that. And then there was, a, um, there was a castle in France in the Provence region that was just a beautiful castle, but it had, like, a real true moat.
0: Oh, and, my God.
2: And a drawbridge. <gasps> and the thought, the thought <laughs> of being in my castle and having my friends show up and, like, ring me and say, yeah, Paul, we're outside. And then me going, ah, that's cool, man. I'll lower the drawbridge. <laughs> just, just being a guy who got to utter, I'll lower the drawbridge. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, that is success. I, I think and, it would be even better if you got to, like, shout it like to some kind of, like, servants or something like that. You're like, lower the drawbridge! Well, yes. I
2: would have, I would have a servant that was his only job, as mentioned <laughs> when I when I yell, lower the drawbridge or raise the drawbridge.
0: Yes, was, you know yeah. he, he could just be your barker. I mean, you're just like you you're just like very soft spoken, but he's the one who's like, right, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's that dude in um, was it Robin Hood Men in Tights? Right. Uh, like when they're doing the archery contest, he's like, the archery contest is about to begin. <laughs> like that he's actually just... really well delivered, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Get that. I try so hard. <laughs> but no no, like that is amazing like that first of all that there are castles for sale. <laughs> oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, but I even like the grazing rights one because then you could just be sitting on some kind of chair that you put like in the center of the dining room or something like that. Yes. And you're just like, okay, next yes, on the so agenda. Cool. <laughs> you spent, like,
2: you probably spent at least two weeks
0: picking out the ring that the Ugh. villagers would have to kiss. Of course, yes. The rights. It has to be good and, like, it has to be nice and big, but not too sharp. You know, yeah. you, you don't want them to hurt themselves. Well, maybe. Well, or I mean. Just peasants, after all. I guess, it like, how much of a benevolent dictator are you? <laughs>
2: like, oh, man, that is something I always think about. It's like. <laughs> If I did, like, if I woke up and somebody said, "Oh, Paul, something happened yesterday, and now you rule the world," <laughs> am I a good guy or am I a bad guy?
1: Oh, so, like I feel, you know, as as a comic book writer,
2: I, or as a writer, I I want to I want everybody to be happy. I want equal rights for everybody. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. I'm a fine, upstanding, moral citizen. But man, if I had complete control, <laughs> you know that that slippery slope happen pretty soon because there's there's whole segments of america that have popped up recently that i'd be like well those people can go away and it's yeah. like wait i'm starting to make that
0: decision now of, of so like, like like if you don't agree with me you are disappeared so, i, I uh, don't know i mean do we really need them i mean are <laughs> you really contributing to my my world Hmm. It's like, are they really contributing to the gene pool that we want to be promoting around here? Right. And then you just slowly go into eugenics, and then, you know, you're Hitler. Um,
2: right. Yeah, and hopefully it takes, like, 50 years and not, like, two weeks,
0: you know? No, I bet on the two weeks part, Paul. You seem like the type. Yeah. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll give you a month. How about a month? Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. You can have the month.
2: I'll remember this kindness you have just said. When I'm dictator, i remember that you were nice.
0: Yay! <laughs> Can I have Italy? <laughs> no way! It's got so much cool art. I know, but that's my that's my home. People like this, my ancestors. Uh, yeah. I was like I'll no, no, we'll discuss. It. Okay, fine. All right. Um, I have several cities that I would at least like you to take under consideration for me to have my fiefdom in. Oh, well, uh, the city was is nice. Yeah, city. I mean, I don't need a whole country. I mean, what am I really going to do with a whole country? Um but so much work. I know. Like, I just, you know, Daenerys can't even hold on to, like, one, you know, huge city over there in Essos. So, like, uh, I'm... dragons. So. I know, right? She's got dragons. And she can't even hold on to this shit. <laughs> like, so... Um, but you bring up an interesting point, too, because um, the whole, uh, you know, the will I slide into the, uh, the the abyss kind of thing versus will I remain in the light uh, my roommate in college uh, we had a nice relationship where he would play video games and I would watch him um, and he got like the Star Wars game it was like the the Repu- Battle of the Republic or something like that or the Old Republic, that's what it was so based on your actions you would go you know, light side, dark side or you could kind of stay in the middle somewhere and he always went white knight. He always went, like, total light. Always the good boy. And I looked at him and was like, dude, like you have an opportunity here to do every terrible thing you could ever think of with no actual moral consequences.
2: I'm starting to I'm starting to not want to give you a city here. This could go wrong.
0: Look, so. I'm saying in a video game. Like, in real life, which just would totally happen.
2: But when we started talking about video games, I realized that whenever I play a video game, I am as nice to
0: people as
2: possible.
0: Oh, see, yeah, you fall into that category kind of too, or you're just like, no, no, I still want to be a good person.
2: Right. <laughs> I'm furious right now because I've been playing um, Fallout. Mm. Um, Fallout 4, and. I just got the uh, the Nuka World expansion, okay, which is all based around like I've been playing a, my character um, for like a long time now, mm-hmm. but in Nuka World they just assume that you want to take over the Raiders who are like <laughs> murderous, and I mean like like every room the Raiders are in have like heads on the walls. And, oh god decapitated bodies as art and things like that. And they're like, okay, so you you start hanging out with the raiders and you start, you know, doing this and you're going to start conquering uh, villages. And it's like, what? No, I'm not going to do that. That's the antithesis of what I want to do. I've spent the whole, you know, I've spent a hundred hours at this point slaughtering every raider I see because they're horrible, horrible people and I don't like them. So, like, having a game where the moral choice, or you know, the moral default, you know, where the game is based around you're a terrible person, it's like,
0: I can't do it. <laughs> it's like, why are you assuming I want to be around these people? I don't not, understand. Not, <laughs> not. <laughs> like, has nothing else indicate? like, did I, it, it's always like based on one wrong decision, like you made one bad call and they're like, oh, clearly you're evil. Well,
2: it's not, it's not like, it's not like a, a moral choice thing, it's like, that's the deep Setting,
0: you oh, know? okay. It's just that's the story so you, you that they're telling. You can talking. actually make the choice of no,
2: I don't want to do this. I'm going to kill the raiders. Mm.
0: But, if, but if you do, you're killing like eighty percent of the missions that come with the game because
2: Uh-oh. the missions are all in the game are like, okay, so you're going to go into a village and shoot a whole bunch of people dead and take over the village, and it's like, wait, that, that's my mission? <laughs> like, this is a that's terrible not mission. Um, so yeah, all I've done is just go in and slaughter all the raiders at this point. Hmm. But, but I lose most of the game because it's it's based around the idea that you are going to want to do this, and I don't.
0: But hey, so, Paul, you get to keep your moral integrity. How good for you. How good for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe,
2: maybe, if I took over the world, I would be a nice guy. Maybe.
0: maybe. I mean, how about this? You can be nice, you know, to a degree, and I can be your shadow government. I probably would need a shadow government. (laughs) Like, okay, he's doing that. He's being the really nice guy. So we're going to have to do all the crap things over here. I mean, I'm pretty okay with that.
2: Uh, Tell him the results, but not tell him how we got the results. Right,
0: plausible deniability. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> And then I'll go to the moon base and <laughs> and it's all going to work out.
2: But you're a science person to a certain degree, right? So you know a moon base is no good because the dust is terrible. You want a Mars base, so don't, don't do moon base. Moon base sounds cooler but let's be practical
0: here. I know, moon base sounds cooler, but we can also get to the moon base faster.
2: Yeah, but you know we're, it, as long as you got your story going, then why, why
0: you know, it depends on how you took over the world. Did mm-hmm.
1: you take by military might, or mm. did you take it over because you opened
0: Darkhold and now you have mystical powers? Because now Ooh. if you have mystical powers, you can just,
2: you know, mystic your way to Mars. Oh,
0: okay, well, we're, now we're adding different factors here. You changed the game. <laughs> 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 it's like, okay, so we have a military coup, uh, dark powers that are suddenly foisted upon you, um, yes. or there could be the uh, shadow government that slowly takes over a la Hydra kind of thing. Um, but if there's a Captain America involved, then they'll probably take us down anyway. Uh, so, uh... The, in an awesome fight scene. Uh, oh my cool. god. <laughs> it's like, he attacked a, a carrier with a shield and won. <laughs> yeah.
2: I like the Cap character in the, in the movies right now. I think that actor hits him
0: pretty well. Well, oh, Chris Evans, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's good. He's doing, like, uh, did you see, um, Snowpiercer? Yes. Yeah, like cuz I know he did that between cap films or whatever but watching I completely forgot
2: that he was in that.
0: Oh and he's so good in I, it too. Actors. I'm I'm terribly bad.
2: It's it, it, like if you hang out with me and talk movies it is endlessly frustrating. <laughs> people, people are constantly they're like, "Okay, there's this one big star." And I'll be like, "Who?" And I'll be like, "Like I cannot remember their names or anything like that." So I completely forgotten he was in Snowpiercer.
0: Oh see, I'm the um I'm the sponge for information in my family, so my sister, you know, basically came up to me one day and she was like, Sam, what's that music video with the overalls? And I said, come on Eileen, Dexie's Midnight Runner? And she goes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like,
2: I'm not sure if I know to be impressed or horrified.
0: You can be both, it's fine.
2: Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, I can be
0: both, yeah. That, that'll be part of my charm as part of your shadow government, is that I am both impressive and terrifying. And...
2: And charm is something I'm really looking for in a shadow gap
0: cabinet. Yes. I can be quite <laughs> charming, according to some of my professors. So, <laughs> nice. I think I got this. I think we have a. I think we have a solid plan here. All right, you're on. Excellent. Now, if I can just introduce you to these mice who would like to help us take over the world with us. <laughs> I don't see anything going wrong. Nothing could possibly go wrong. This is gonna work out so well. <laughs> Well, we're, we're almost, speaking of which, we're almost at the, at the hour. Yeah, uh, yeah we have talked about comics much or writing. But. Well, that's fine. Like, yeah. You can talk well, about whatever like, you want.
2: I about earlier, it's like establishing character is very important.
0: Yes, and we, uh, this is the first act of a three-part story, perhaps. And so sure. You'll come back again, and then we'll get to the middle I, section.
2: Yeah, my character art is very important
0: very true yeah we we, we're actively fighting
2: against you for control of the world
0: right oh my god this is gonna be epic (laughs) (laughs) like it's like curse your sudden yet inevitable betrayal right yeah because there's
2: no shadow government that doesn't try to become the government that's that's the point oh yeah i'm
0: shady as fuck i mean (laughs) like i'm totally gonna try and take over
2: you're my shadow government you're the head of my shadow cabinet. Here, here's a dagger, and I'm just going to turn my
0: back on you a lot. Like, oh well, oh. thank you. I'm <laughs> like, and here's the revolving door where I'll just be bringing in all of my cronies, and it'll be—it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Not yeah, not a problem. <laughs> it's like the higher your voice gets, the more i, I feel like there's a problem. No problem. No <laughs> problem. Not even close. <laughs> I'm monitor that. Pretty strongly now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll forget about this by the time we talk again, so oh, dang it, you've been paying attention. Yeah, I do that. That's shadow government. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: just blissfully going on holding parades while you overthrow me.
0: <laughs> Look at him in his repurposed Pope Mobile. <laughs> I'm just standing there with a cat in my arms, like, Yes, yes, yes. Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Has to have a corny name too. It's like Yes, Lord Purlington. I love is, uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> there was a... Because uh, I, I, I'm really fascinated by owls. I, I Like, my next tattoo, I think, is going to be an owl. And uh, I, I every time I see a picture of one or a friend sends me a, a picture of them, I'm always like, Lord How- uh, Owlington of Hootville! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> they're so much more charming when they have things like right? that. Right! And then, like, if they turn out to be evil, it's kind of like you can't help but kind of smile while they're being evil. You're like... I know you're evil, but you're so adorable. Uh, yeah, adorable! It's, so it's like, oh, aren't you the cutest little thing?
2: I really like adorable people. I think that's really... It's even scarier in some ways.
0: Mm-hmm. No, the, the the person who smiles while they, you know, stick the knife in is always the more... Sc- they're, just, they're always the scarier one. Uh-huh. It's like, uh, I can't... Uh, that's what, you know, certain horror movies will do it for me because I'm not a big, like, gore and jump scare person. I'm much more thriller kind of um psychological um horror movie ca- person because once it gets under the skin then i'm like oh now it's with me and i can't really get rid of it right yeah
2: yeah i don't i don't want people like yelling if i if i made a movie i don't want people yelling during the movie and jumping up and things like that mm-hmm. i want them waking up at four in the morning going oh shit.
0: yeah no, i want that <laughs> Like, and now I'm scared of trees. Awesome. By the
2: way, uh, total aside, but I want the, for the record, I want it known that Paul Tobin during this podcast has made a miniature crossbow out of nail clippers, a Q-tip, and a rubber band.
0: Are you MacGyver?
2: Yeah. I can shoot things now. Oh my god. Small
0: things. Like See. Like, a pesky fly. <laughs> very fast at all. See, now that you've revealed this skill, this changes everything about... How we have to go about planning this takeover betrayal (laughs) and then the ragtag group that rises up in the wake of the shadow government which will be led by the the deposed leader, AKU. (laughs) Dang it, you're going to just throw me in the Oobliot now, aren't you? uh, That's so true. Don't let me live, and if you do let me live don't give me a Q-tip because I will regain power. I see, Lord MacGyver. You are now (laughs) trapped in my dungeon, of which you will never be able to escape. And you're like, oh, man. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. It's on. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, did you ever see, um, what, Snow White and the Huntsman? Okay, so, like, it doesn't really matter, but it, it pertains to this conversation because Snow White is a small child when her castle is taken over by the evil queen. And, and instead of killing her because she's the only living monarch, uh, she keeps her alive until she's 18 and suddenly important to the story yeah why not, yeah, I remember like getting out of that movie with a friend of mine who were watching it. And I was just like, that seems like a really wrong move to make if you're a conquering warlord, like don't m- maybe don't keep the only living heir to the throne alive. <laughs> I mean, but what do I know <laughs> I'm just part of a shadow government. So. <laughs> Okay, so uh, since we have really not talked about comics or writing all that much, but we have created a story so we can we can piggyback off on this later. Um, uh, this is actually going to go up on Friday, so is there anything you would like to promote uh, that's coming up or any of your works that you just want people to know about? Um, nothing coming up, but the third volume of Bandette just came out
2: like very recently, and, and I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud mm-hmm. of the work that, that Colleen and I uh, do on that book. So, because I think it is uh, sort of unrelent- unrel- unrelentingly charming, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. No. It also has depth to the story.
0: It's, uh, anytime I can see a, a character like Ben dead, just yell out, Presto! And just be, you know, can't get the smile off of my face, I'm, uh, I, I consider that a win, so. <laughs> and I consider it a win
2: just hearing you say that. I mean, that's, that's the way I want it to be, so.
0: Yay! Uh, my uh, my sister's going to have a baby soon, so I look forward to eventually when he's old enough to like show him, you know, get, you know, give him books like this that he can be like, look. First of all, strong female character. Second of all, endlessly charming and witty. <laughs> <So. laughs> Discuss <laughs> <Yes. laughs> when he's three. <laughs> so I love
1: writing female
0: characters. So they are kind of awesome. I'm just going to say, like, as a woman, not biased at all. Yeah. Female characters pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm a middle-aged white ball guy. I, I agree. So There we go. Well, at this point you have more say in the industry than I do, so <laughs> make, make that happen more, Paul. <laughs> well, you can have your shadow cabinet within the industry as well. Ooh. Okay. Okay, new story, new story. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to di- dive into this next time. So. Um but Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Um, this is. I always have fun talking to you at the cons and now we, yeah. we can make it official on the podcast so cool. um, and where can people find you online before we go? Uh, Paul Tobin on Twitter and then uh, paultobin.net is where I hang out oh and I have a tumblr too
2: called uh, Rocket Prose which I usually just use to show uh, classic comic art through the ages because I think it's I think it's important for people to, to see the industry as a whole too not just the you know,
0: just what happened last week. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, and then details for Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls, because I don't know anything about consolidating brand. Um, it's uh, at Darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y on Twitter, ManiacalGeek.com, uh, That Girl with the Curls on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And we always appreciate stars and comments, uh, hopefully positive ones. Uh, and uh, as always, uh, good everybody. Good night, everybody.